What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What the Actual Fork Podcast. Sam and I just had the best time interviewing Ashton Barrett. I almost called her by her Instagram name, but Ashton is an ex-macro coach of six years who hit diet rock bottom, left her business, chose recovery, and is now a certified intuitive eating counselor, helping women reclaim food, fitness, their bodies, and their lives from diet culture. Yes. And I, I, (laughs) one of the things like that I loved about Ashton is how real she made it. And I think not that I ever don't think our guests keep it real, but she was just so validating for people that are going through this experience, like trying like, this is some of the hardest work you'll do. And like, this is really scary and this is really hard. And I think that's so important to hear because so many people try to just fix it. And it's like, no, no, no. We just need to sit beside our listeners and and walk through this and let them know like it's hard and that's okay. And I thought she just did such a wonderful job of showing that. Like that was exactly right. And I also love how she was like, full transparency. Like I don't really have the answer. I thought that was really cool because I think oftentimes as the coaches, quote unquote, along our clients on these journeys, it's like, we're expected to, to know everything, but oftentimes, you know, they're just really hard scenarios. And it's that dietitian answer of it depends, right. And, you know, your journey is yours. And that's sometimes hard to hear because we are conditioned to want answers. Um, and she did a beautiful job of explaining that, like, sometimes there just isn't an answer. Um, and it's, it comes down to experience and your own personal experience. Yes. So as always, I feel like we'll, we'll start talking and I'm like, just get into it. Just get into the episode. But if you have ever counted macros, if you've ever been on a diet and if you've ever feared weight gain, this episode is for you. And two warnings. One, we do talk a little bit. There is some, as Ashton was explaining her macro journey um, and her past with macro coaching, there is some conversation using numbers and you know, terminology there. So trigger warning just for language if you're sensitive. Um, and also if you hear a pause for like two seconds, it's because Sam and I were being really respectful of each other and not wanting to talk over each other. And we both just stayed muted. So which never <laughs> happened because we're never always happened. talking, talking, talking. And now we're just like these little silent humans. So we like need to like raise hands again. Um, so it's not a blip in the episode. It's like two seconds where we're just laughing at each other but still muted so anyways you guys enjoy 
Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. We are so excited. We're getting right into it. We have Ashton Barrett, a certified intuitive eating counselor here with us today, also known as That Ashton Barrett on social media. Ashton is an ex-macro coach of six years who is now a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I think that's like all we should start with right now because we are so pumped to have this conversation with you. (laughs) So excited to be here. Can't wait. Yay. Well, what Sammy and I always like to start out with in these episodes is you can, I'm going to take Sammy's line. You can take 30 seconds or 30 minutes (laughs) to tell us how you got to where you are today. Um, You can do the straight line version or give us some twists and turns about what made you become a certified intuitive eating counselor after six years of a macro coach. Yes. So the 30 second version, and then maybe we'll do a longer version, is I hit diet rock bottom. I had actually found intuitive eating. I came across the book probably a few years before I actually decided to pursue recovery, to go all in on intuitive eating. I read the book and I thought, this is awesome. This is what I want to do with my kids. As opposed to, this is what I want to do with myself. This is what I want to do with my kids. Um, and I like to share that because I think I think that's how it is for a lot of women. Um, they can see this stuff, how they want to be for their kids. But then they it's not as easy to apply to themselves. Anyways, so I came across it. Took me a little while. I feel like maybe we'll talk about this. I tried to do that thing that you're not supposed to do where you try and mesh the two. (laughs) Macros and intuitive eating. Plot twist. They don't go together. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that obviously came to a tragic ending. And I just really honestly became super depressed, super anxious, very consumed with food and body thoughts, which a lot of people are surprised about and were surprised, I think, by my story because I kind of had always coined myself the the flexible macro counter. Like I would go through phases of tracking and not tracking. Um... But I always came back to tracking because every time I stopped tracking, I gained weight every time. And it wasn't because I felt like I was out of control around food or anything. It really was just my body every time I stopped tracking gained that weight, that same weight back. So after that happening again, that's when... I just said, I'm done. My mental health really, really suffered. The thought of tracking again made me literally sick to my stomach. Um, I learned in therapy kind of this idea of dieting trauma, which was really impactful for me um, and just made a lot of sense. It put a lot of the pieces of the puzzle together for me. But yeah, so I did the thing, did recovery, did a total 180, and obviously, like I'm sure you guys can relate, it makes such a difference that 
you want to pay it forward. So here we are. <laughs> and we're so happy that you're here with us. And I want to go back to macro counting and intuitive eating, because I know, like you said, that was your past and doing it for six years. And I love how you use the term diet rock bottom. That's like that stage one of intuitive eating, right? That people to get to intuitive eating, they have to have that realization that like dieting doesn't work. Not only does it not work, that it's harming me. It's not helping me. So if someone comes to you, let's say not like a diet troll, that's like trolling your Instagram account, but let's say somebody comes to your page with curiosity and they're in that stage of like, but I'm, I'm intuitive eating, but I'm also macro counting. Kind of how you talked about that, which by the way, Jenna and I were both, we call it um, splinter assing, where we had one foot in diet culture and one foot in intuitive eating for a really long time. So how would you respond to someone if they're like, well, I, I'm going to do intuitive eating and, and macro counting. Like, how would you kind of come to them kindly and be like, well, kind of explaining how those two don't come together and, and how, why they don't go together? Yeah. So obviously this is just a tough question in general. And it really makes me think about how I, how receptive or not receptive I was to maybe that kind of messaging when I was in the thick of macro counting and wanting to do intuitive eating. And I'm just going to be transparent. I don't really know that I have the answer. I feel like if someone actually came to me and you know, and said that, which usually isn't the case. They usually don't want to come to me because they know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but um, the direction I guess maybe I would go is maybe pointing out some of the air quote similarities, right? Like talking about some of the air quotes benefits from that I perceived from macro counting, right? Um, which maybe might be, okay, it's a little different than like you're, you have flexibility in food choices, air quote, like you can incorporate like sweets and treats into your macro numbers and what have you, which for me, that was better than where I was. So it was almost like, ah, this is where it gets tough. I want to say it was a stepping stone, but it wasn't because it wasn't a necessary stepping stone. And then it just like plummeted me into the depths of the, <laughs> of the ocean. So it's a tricky question. Can you tell that I don't have the answer? <laughs> the honesty is so appreciated though. And I think what I hear you saying and what I know that the way that I would take part of that question, because it is a really hard question, but it's like, there's a difference between understanding what macros are, right? Like what macro food groups are, like what a carbohydrate is and what it does in our body versus counting it. And like, I had, I was starving the other day and I was at maybe a gas station. I don't know. And I saw a bar that I used to eat that somebody had recommended to me because it was macro friendly, like way back in the day. And it was like a cookie dough flavored bar. And I was like, I'm so hungry. Like I'm going to grab this right now. It was this weekend. I was driving all the way down the shore and I ate it and I spit it out when I was driving. I was like, what the fuck? Like why back in the day did I care so much that this had whatever amounts of this and that in it, that it would fit into my meat? Like, no. So 
I think that there's a difference between, you know, being intuitive in that moment. I was being intuitive. I was hungry and it sounded good. And that was why I chose that. But like, and it wasn't good just prefacing that, but back in the day, I would have chosen that because it was macro friendly and it would have bumped up my protein while keeping X, Y, Z down. Right. So I think like, that's what I hear you saying. And that's my real life example from three days ago. <laughs> and That did make me think of, I feel like the difference in hindsight is obviously you, it's like it, uh, being in a weight centric paradigm. Like that's the thing, right? Like it's not the same because you're in the diet mentality, because what I was eating was very much out of how it would affect my body or what proportion of macros does it have enough protein, right? This overemphasis of protein in the, in the macro world. And so all of my decisions, whether I was tracking or not, were rooted in wanting to keep my body a certain shape or size or leanness. And that was what was, that was what was problematic. And that is that, right, that mental restriction piece, which was another aha realization for me in recovery was, oh, just because I wasn't restricting physically, because dude, I was eating 3000 plus calories, not to do numbers, sorry. Um, but I was eating a lot of food, right? Sometimes depending on where I was and what phase I was in, but that mental restriction was what wrecked me. And just like trying to like stay in this box and this size, it just, that's the difference. I love how you just broke that down. And I always like to use the example of like, like you said, weight-centric paradigm versus intuitive eating, macro counting, and that weight-centric paradigm puts all of our hopes, beliefs, focus in external factors, whether it be macros, whether it be calorie counting, whether it's Weight Watchers points, whether it's whatever the fuck it is, versus if we're actually doing intuitive eating and the only way we can do intuitive eating is to turn inward and not put the emphasis on those external factors so I love how you broke that down and, and that makes so much sense and something else that's coming up for me like hearing your story which I think is so impactful and I, I also have your social media pulled up here is you have a post about the stages of grief when you feel triggered by pictures of when people like if you're in a smaller body right? So if you look back at a picture, you're in a smaller body. So I would love for you to just share with listeners. I know that was something you had mentioned that, you know, when you were macro counting, you were able to, I'm going to use air quotes, heavy air quotes over here, control your weight. And then when we came off that diet, right, we came off the macro counting, your weight would go up a little bit. So how have you coped with acceptance and body neutrality or, or what tips do you have for our listeners if they've experienced something like this as well? Yeah, absolutely. So full transparency, it was so hard. And I feel like I obviously want to give the disclaimer of thin privilege, which is something I learned about later in recovery. Um, and I always want to give that disclaimer. And it was really hard. 
it was really challenging. And I say this a lot. I didn't realize it until I, until I let it all go that dieting and macro counting really was a coping mechanism for me. It was this way for me to control, air quotes, <laughs> the perception that other people had about me based on what my body looked like. And I really had just, I didn't realize how much emphasis I had put on how people viewed me, like outside perspective looking at me, right? Objectification. Um, and I think honestly, the most helpful thing for me was giving myself space to feel those things. I went to a lot of therapy. <laughs> um, I think the hardest thing is that when you're coming out of dieting, dieting feels like such an easy solution because it has the answers and there's something to do, right? Like I could track, I could do something to have this control. And so when you lose that, you feel a little untethered. It's a little um, disorienting. And I think my best advice would be to have a support system in place. And, you know, everyone says it, but they say it for good reason. Immerse yourself in the anti-diet, intuitive eating space, uh, Education was really important for me, like reading books, listening to podcasts, um, was really, was really helpful. Just knowing that I wasn't alone and that this was a thing, this was real, because when you step into life, real life, and out of your anti-diet intuitive eating bubble, I mean, diet culture is everywhere. And so if you're not rooted in a community and really committing to seeing it through, it's really easy to fall back into those old habits, those old ways of thinking. And so I would just say really immersing yourself in a community, getting support um, and holding so much space for yourself. Nothing's wrong with you. It is really hard. Diet culture wants to gaslight you and make you think that you're crazy, but you're not and it's real and it's hard and it does get better with support. So that's my advice. Hi guys, this is Jenna. Lately, I have been feeling overwhelmed balancing my responsibilities as a mom, a wife, a friend, a daughter, a business owner, you know, all of the things. And I needed to add something new to my stress management toolbox. So I've recently tried Soul CBD's CBD oil drops that come in really delicious flavors. I personally have the raspberry lemonade and I've been trying it daily as just another option to aid in my stress management journey. And she got the raspberry lemonade. I got the watermelon mint, which I found very refreshing. And we're really excited that we have a code for you guys if you want to give them a try as well. So you can head to mysoulcbd.com forward slash WTAF and make sure to use code WTAF at checkout to get 15% off as well as free shipping. So enjoy these products and make sure to send us a DM and let us know what you think once you give them a try.
I think for the first time, Sam and I both wanted to talk and we didn't talk over each other. This is like such a win. We're being so respectful of each other today. Um, so this is huge for us. But thank you for that. I think that one of the hardest pieces of this journey, and I can speak for myself, um, from my own personal experience, was the realization that the measures that I was taking to keep myself fitting in a specific mold, we'll just call it, were harming my health and were also not sustainable. And I think you mentioned that in your opening that, you know, every time you would stop tracking or be flexible. I love that you said that you called yourself a flexible coach and like realize that that's bullshit because we see that term all the time. And like, it cracks us up because like, what do you mean? <laughs> right? Like, how can you be flexible if you're like, Oh, but I'm, I have 20 more grams of protein and I'm laying in bed. So let me get out of bed before I go to sleep for the night and go chug some protein. Like that's not flexible. Anyways. Um, <laughs> that's like real life too. But <clears throat> I digress. You mentioned in your intro that there was a point where, you know, you realized that like you needed to change. And I'm, I'm not sure if you are comfortable sharing and you do not have to, but if you are comfortable in so many words to share, like what was that rock bottom for you? And what was the point that said, like, I just can't do this again. And I'm going to allow my body to change. Or if that didn't really happen and in that way, is there a way that you coach people through that moment? Yeah. So I think for me, I mean, obviously it was a culmination, but if I had to identify like a period, it really was obviously, you know, I, I, I built a, a macro coaching business. Like that's, that's what I did. I was in, I'm an ex macro coach. And so I was really starting to be uh, triggered by coaching, by listening to women's experiences. Um, and I, disclaimer, I have so much compassion for women in these places. And I never want it to come across like I am discounting people's experiences in their bodies, their experiences with food. Um, because it is so personal and it's hard and I get that. And I just feel like it wasn't, it wasn't working. <laughs> it wasn't working, not only for myself, but for some women that would, that I was coaching, like it wasn't working. They, and there was, there was food and body fixation and there was, I can't, like the thought of not tracking, I can't not track. Like, what does that even look like? How do I even do that? That creates a lot of anxiety for me. And it's like, oh, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> and I just think that the red flags were just getting very overwhelming. <laughs> and so, um, but truthfully, it was myself. I my mental health just plummeted because I was, I had gained the weight and I, it literally was like upwards of the eighth time in the like last six years of counting macros that I would have to go in again and like lose this weight again. 
And the number one question that clients asked was, how do I maintain my progress and not track? And that question haunted me because I did not have the answer because not only my personal experience, but women that I worked with, like I could not not track and keep my progress. The only way for me to keep this progress was to count. So that was probably, that was a pretty big red flag for me. Um, but yeah. I love that. First of all, were you guys thinking of the TikTok when you started saying red flag? Red flag. There's that one TikTok. I don't know if you've seen it, but it went viral and I'm, I'm not going to sing it. But anyways, that's what I was thinking of when you were saying that. But I love that you brought that up. And I love that you just highlighted that question because, oh my God, honestly, I had an emotional response when you said that question because, and I could see it with Jenna too, of like when we used to sit across tables with clients or virtually and they would ask that question and we would try to come up with answers but there is no answer to that. And, and that's where I think a lot of people in the dietetic profession or coaching, like you, you reach this state of, of just like, not something didn't feel right. Right. And like you said, super anxious. And that's where I know I hit a point where I was like, I'm leaving this profession. Like I can't do this anymore. I'm not helping. I remember me. that. Yeah. Oh, Jenna, I was bawling. I was like, I'm She was like laying on a couch with like her legs up. <laughs> I'm done. I can't do this shit anymore. Um, so I completely relate to everything you're saying, but I also it's like such a perfect like compliment to what you're saying is I want listeners to hear. I have, again, your Instagram pulled up and right next to the one I was talking about, there's another one you posted that says, you are not a failure for gaining weight. End of story. Can you please <laughs> just like tell us your inspiration behind that post? And I feel like it goes so well with what you were just saying. Yeah. I mean, according to the way that we've been conditioned to think weight gain is bad. You know, like you should be able to be a certain size and stay that size for the rest of your life, <laughs> which is preposterous. It's wild, right? But that's the well, way. That I love when people come to you back in the day and they're like, I want to be my high school weight. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that right now. Like how crazy that we used to like sit there and be like, okay, let's strategize. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. That's such a good point though, right? Because that was another red flag for me. It was I remember thinking to myself a couple of questions. One question was, at what point is it going to be okay for my daughter to come to me? And what age does she turn that I'm like, okay, yeah, you should lose weight. I, I just like that, that was really problematic for me. Right. Um, and then also, yeah who's deciding here? Who's deciding like how much weight, what size, what's best for you? And because obviously I had lots of women of lots of different shapes and sizes come to me. And 
I was supposed to use my judgment on like what the right number for you to lose was. And like, that was another thing for me was, was just it being ethical. You know, women in much larger bodies would come and obviously they would have air quotes, more weight to lose according to society's like body standards, stupid bullshit, right? But that's the way that you think about it when you're in this macro coaching brain. And I just remember feeling sick to my stomach thinking, this is, I can't put you in a calorie deficit for this long, like, or even it's like macro coaching stuff, but like, just like the phases of it, right? It just, don't need too many details, but it just felt really unethical, right? Like who's to say what weight is the right weight, how much? And then I would find myself, I just hated it. Like you said, painting that picture of you spamming just like up on your desk with like your leg in the air, like your head flung back, like I can't do this shit anymore. I mean, that's what it was. It just, you're not a failure for gaining weight. And why have we put so much stake in this? Like asking yourself that, you know? Isn't it amazing too how many dietitians are out there that believe fully in the macro counting way of teaching people how uh, uh, to understand nutrition? It's so hard. And if more people could understand your story and listen to this and if we can convert one other macro coach to come on this side oh the, i can retire <laughs> like i mean it's just it's insane i actually read a post and i don't know if it was when we interviewed lauren cadillac feel-good dietitian we might have talked about this in the past but you know people go as far as measuring and weighing spinach to put it into their trackers because it has calories or whatever they're tracking it's like to me it's just like how like you can't actually tell someone to do that and think that that's okay <laughs> like well, yeah and like that makes me think of kind of another one of another experience that made me kind of wake up was I had this realization I was hitting the pillow at night going to sleep and I noticed this pattern of I was laying in bed and I was sitting there thinking, I wonder if I need to like, maybe if I adjust my protein, decrease my fats, increase my carbs, maybe just a slight deficit or maybe, you know, and this is probably all very triggering language, but um, I just remember laying there thinking, what the hell? <laughs> like I'm laying in my bed at night like I was, con you're consumed by it, but you don't think you're consumed by it because it's your world. It's your, it's your view. You're in that weight centric way of thinking. And, you know, like the Lauren story, I love her by the way. Um, it was, I used to think that I was so, I was the best macro coach because I, I wasn't that way oh, don't weigh your spinach. That's ridiculous. Oh, just estimate. Like, it's not a big deal. Enjoy your vacations. Get back on track when you get home. Like, flexibility, right? Like, I, pr I prided myself on being that way as a macro coach. 
and I still hit diet rock bottom because thinking about bodies that way and thinking about food that way, it's just damaging. It's not helpful. There are much more helpful ways to approach food and taking care of your body that have nothing to do with your weight. So. That is a beautiful way to, I feel like, just pull all of this together. And I think, you know, just making sure that every listener hears your story is so important and knowing like, not only are you not a failure if you've gained weight, but that actually can be healthy and maybe what your body needs. And just, it's, it's so, it's not funny. Funny is not the right word, but just how ra- the fact that that's a radical statement is just, it just proves where, how much more work all three of us and the rest of the intu- intuitive eating community has to do. Um, so Ashton, if you could just kind of think about everything we've talked about today, whether it's something we talked about or something we haven't talked about, just knowing that people are going to listen to this episode, what is one thing you want listeners to walk away with? So if they don't remember anything else, but they remember one thing from you, what do you want them to remember? It will feel really scary to gain weight. It will. It will feel really scary to let go of the control and to go a different path. And it will, it will feel really challenging. And it is so worth it. The, the payoff and the real food freedom is, is worth the messy middle and you can do it and do it. (laughs) How's that for parting words? (laughs) The messy middle. I love that so much, like so much. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Now tell all of our listeners where they can stalk you, please. (laughs) Yes. uh, At that Ashton Barrett on Instagram is kind of my hub. So you can see all the things going on by following me there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We had such a good time um, and I can't wait to change the world one macro coach at a time. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.